okay. <laughs> That's good. Fantastic. Well, this was in a, a, quite a significant week, wasn't it? Billy Graham. Billy Graham passed, was it this week that he passed? They had his funeral this week. Transition. I like the word transitioned rather than passed. Passed has negative connotations. In India, they say expired. Literally means breathed out. They're last, expired. Um, but Billy Graham transitioned to be with the Lord. And amazing, eh? 99 years in the public arena for a whole lot of that. And that I can think of or have read of, I don't think there are any scandals. Amazing man. Amazing man. I think Nori said that she gave her heart to Christ at one of his meetings. Anyone else? Anyone else? 1959. Wow. You were 10. Wow. I'm behaving today. I'm not going to say anything rude to anybody. Hey, actually, I really wanted to do this. As I was preparing for today, I felt to do this. If you're of South African origin, stand to your feet, please. South African origin. Great. Quite a few of you. Yes, I knew there were. I'm going to be kind. Don't worry. Church, have a look around. Please jump out of your seats. Go and lay hands on these people. We're going to pray for South Africa. They've got some issues going on there, and they need God. Yeah, jump out of your seats. Fantastic. Make sure everyone's covered. If you're standing up and no one's standing beside you, stick your hand right up in the air. Awesome. Father, we lift South Africa to you. I thank you for the people of South Africa. I thank you for the nation of South Africa. Father, your hand is on that nation, and we ask for justice in that country. Lord, I ask that you would raise up into place governments that honor you and are just and honest in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for the people of South Africa that they would know your comfort and your peace. I ask for these ones amongst us today, that uh, wider family, etc., that they would know your peace, that they would walk in health and safety in Jesus' name, and that as family members are here in New Zealand, that the peace of God would rest on them. In Jesus' name. And Father, I know there are thousands, millions of people in that country praying, asking for you to sort things out. We had our prayers to this, that you would move sovereignly in that nation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Praying that God moves there and some significant change in Jesus' name. Well, our theme is... Belonging, belonging. And uh, my scripture that I'm working from this year is John chapter 15. And I say working from this year loosely because the pace I'm going, it'll probably be five years before we get to the end of it. That's right. And um, so we're working from John 15. And today I want to, to look again at verse 1. And this is my conviction. My conviction to my absolute core is that for a real sense of belonging, a real sense of belonging on this planet and in this life, it starts with connection with God. Anything outside of that is temporary. It's actually connection with God that gives us context for the whole. It's very hard to have a context for the whole if you thought you came from a fish cell at some point. You are random. I was reading an article, I can't remember where it was, who it was, uh, it was some scientist with gene um, therapy. 
And uh, he said, he said, the more I look at this, the more I'm convinced that we didn't just happen. There has to be something, someone behind it somewhere. We know that something, that somewhere, someone to be God, to be God. And so our very sense of belonging on the planet and belonging with one another comes from that intimate connection with God. John 15.1 says this, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. I love the start of it. I am is absolutely packed. And we looked at that a few weeks ago. If you didn't hear that, you want to hear that, www.activatechurches.com. Go to the Hamilton page there or just download the app and you can listen to it there. That would be the way to do it. But today, I want to carry on with the second part of verse 1. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. My father is the gardener. Now, before we go down the track too far, I need to give you a quick theology lesson. Can you read that? Gid. I write in tongues. I should have been a pharmacist or a doctor. I'll leave most of them for dead with my writing. Actually, it's a real problem. You know that all these flash iPads and everything, they have all the text recognition on them. might work for you. It's never worked for me. Oh, wrong way around. Start again. That's not very good. Let's get rid of that one. Oh, that's better. Okay. We're talking about God. Now, here's the challenge when you're talking about God. You've got a brain that weighs a couple of kg. Are there any doctors can tell me how heavy the brain is? 3.5 kg for most people. That's kind of the average. Okay. So there's probably a bit of variance in this room. And um, I got in before Raided because he insulted me before. Reckon it was 500 grams. Here's the challenge with God God is infinite, powerful, massive, without end, before, after time, and everything else. And we're trying to work him out with a 3.5 kg lump of meat. That's the challenge. So we can hold the truths that we understand from Scripture and even from tradition, we can hold the tension, the tension of those. But it is a tension because at the end of the day, there's faith. And we've got to go to faith because actually you and I won't get it. In fact, if you can get it with your three and a half kg brain, you don't need God, do you? But what are the chances of getting God with a three and a half k brain when he is infinite, not great, not great. So here's the deal. This is what we know about God from Scripture. And our, our uh, forebears throughout tradition have worded it for us so we can get a few more handles on it. We know God is Trinity. That means three. But we know there is only one God. That is one. So I've got this conflict straight away. One and three. How can you have one and three and three and one? How can one be three? Surely one is one. This is a math problem that, um, that Ray would probably enjoy, but for me, it's just like, 
1 and 3. There is only one God, and He is Father, and He is the Holy Spirit, and He is the Son. If you like this diagram, it's all over the internet. I think it's the best one in the theological books. So there's one God who is three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Yes? You're going to have to, you know, just tell me if it's too much, and I'll kind of bring it back a bit. We'll dial it back a bit, okay? Right, you okay? Okay, good. Good, here we go. But now we're going to, okay, this is where it gets tricky. I'm trying to do colours just to keep it interesting for you. But the Father is not the Holy Spirit. And the Son, or the theologian said that's good. I'll keep going. And the Son is not the Holy Spirit. And the Son, oh, that Son, is not the Father. Okay, we're still there? Hanging in there? So there is one God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. The Son is God. The Father is God. But the Holy Spirit is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Father is not the Son. It's like fireworks in there. Here's the deal. John 15, at this point, is talking about... Which color pen do I want? It's one thing too many. What color pen? is, um, I feel like Kramer off Seinfeld. Um, uh, eh? <laughs> That's the problem. There was no green pen. I went to get the pens. There was only one pen in my office. I had pens in my office. Someone stole them. Let that be a lesson. Don't leave anything lying around church. Nothing. Owen bought these ones. He stole them out of Ray's office. I would have stolen them, but Ray's office was locked. Okay, so in John chapter 15 and verse 1, Jesus is talking about here his relationship with the Father. They are both God fully, but they are different persons of the Godhead, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It's really interesting. The Father sent the Holy Spirit. I'm off track again already, but the Father, I love the subject. The Father sent the Holy Spirit, yes? What does he do? I didn't understand a word you said. He, he, he lives in us and on us. And what he does, everything about the Holy Spirit pushes us in the direction of Jesus, the Son. Everything. The Holy Spirit brings glory to the Son all the time, all the time. And then when you get to Jesus, the Son, you think that's the end of it. But he goes, no, no, no. My whole reason is that I would give the Father glory. It's a beautiful a beautiful transaction. So Jesus came, he died on the cross. Go back a couple of steps. Mankind made a mess of it. We had a perfect relationship with God. We broke it. We broke it. God kicks in with his plan of redemption or repairing it back as new. And he says, I've got a plan. The plan is I'm going to send Jesus in the, as a human. And Jesus is going to come. And the people are going to hang him on a cross and kill him. But that's all right, because I actually require a sacrifice for the connection to be restored. But on the third day after he dies, 
I will raise him from the grave, victorious over sin, victorious over death. And it's through that sacrifice that people will be reconnected with me. And this is where sometimes we come unstuck. We don't realize that the whole thing of Jesus coming, he's dying, his, was to reconnect us with the Father. Because at creation, we had the relationship with the Father. That's what was severed. And then so, the cross restores us. That's why Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead on the third day, you will be saved or you will be reconnected to the Father. It's great, isn't it? It's amazing. It's so, so exciting there. So the Son is always projecting glory to the Father. Always. Always. What I want to talk to you about today is, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. My Father, grapevine, we learned all about that last time. My Father is the gardener. Now, you need to, to understand the enormity of the statement that Jesus is making. You need to understand the worldview of the, the Jews at the time. See, the Jews saw that God was way off and that he only came close when he was bringing judgment. Other than that, he was at a distance. But Jesus is saying to them something completely different. He's going, no, 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 no. He says, my father is the gardener. All the implications of that statement are that God is not far off. He's close. He's close. So this is like, you know, the old fireworks moment. It's one of those moments for the Jews. They, the, the guys that, well, the disciples that he's talking to, they're trying to wrap their head around this. What do you mean? God is close. He's intimate. He's with us. He's with us. How close? He's that close. He's absolutely with us. It's a huge thing for them. And what Jesus is alluding to, he's not quite there yet, is that for us to access the Father, to access the care and the love and the, intent, the attention of the Father, all comes through our relationship with the Son. That's really big in itself. There is only one way to God father and that is through the son there is no other way no other way and that for us to enjoy the relationship the love the care of the gardener comes through the son and god wants us to know him as father he wants us to know him as father see this is challenging because many of us don't have good relationships or memories, or have not had a good journey with our natural father. Many, many people have father issues, and justifiably so. Very justifiably so. The, the thing is that our natural fathers, even the greatest of fathers, are still human. They're still going to get it wrong, as hard as they try. So, and I don't want to minimalize anything here, but we can have we could have had a really rough journey with a natural father and that we, we put a lens of that on and every time we look at God the Father through it, we've got to break through that lens to connect with God the Father. 
really, really difficult for some people. But even if you've had a good relationship with your father, it's still a limiting factor to actually how good the father is. And so there are challenges around this, and I realize that. And um, this morning, I'm, I'm trying to be cautious if you've had a hard journey with your natural father. But my prayer is that something of the revelation of God will rest on you and you'll be able to see the Father for who he is without looking through the lens. I'm really aware that I'm going to have to race super fast. Let me, there's three words in there. And uh, my father and gardener, they're the three key words. My, we're not going into that right now, but my is an incredible statement of belonging and identity right there. My. Father. Father is an amazing word. The word father, in the Old Testament, the, the scriptures talk of the, in the context of God being our father, they only use the word father 15 times in the whole Old Testament. And it's not for an individual. Generally, it's for um, our father. So it's talking about a nation. It's talking about the people where it refers to our father. And so when Jesus comes along and he says, and my father is the gardener, it's again, it's this major shift with the thinking of the day that he's personalizing it. And not only that, but before I get there, in the New Testament, it picks up on um, father because you've got Aramaic language, the language Jesus would have been spoken, speaking. The word for father is Abba, or Abba. And the Greek, which the New Testament, Testament is written in, uh, originally, is the word patia, which means father as well. Three times in the New Testament, it says Abba, Father. So you've got Father, Father, which is very interesting because that kind of Abba is talking about the caregiving side of the Father, and then Father, patia, is talking about the authority. There's two sides. It's thought, it was thought that the word Abba was a child's term for Father. That little kids, that endearing term, like daddy or papa. And often you will hear people refer to God as daddy or papa. But it actually means more than that. It is an adult term as well. And it is a term of intimacy, yes, and endearment. But it is also an adult term for father. So when you go about father, you've kind of got both sides of it. You've got that daddy, um, that, that term of endearment, that term of intimacy. But then you've got that authority as well. Because that's what we want in a father, isn't it? You want that sense of intimacy, that sense of endearment, but you want some authority as well. That's part of being a good, good father when it's exercised correctly. But anyway, then Jesus comes into the picture, and in the Gospels, he talks about his father in excess of 165 times. So in the Old Testament, you're talking 15 all up. Now you're talking in just the four Gospels, 165 times plus. In fact, Jesus taught us that the way to relate to God is Father. The Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It is the way of relating to the Father as far as, to God as far as Jesus was concerned. So Father is a, a beautiful metaphor that Jesus uses. It's not a male metaphor. It's where we can come unstuck sometimes. God is spirit. It's talking about qualities. And God is the perfect Father. Lord, I do ask, please bring revelation around this. Let it be far, far more than just words.
but Lord, you would pop open our minds, left, right, center. You would pop them open. It would be that aha in our spirits. You want us to relate to you as, a, as our father, as our dad. The vine dresser literally means the owner of the farm, the owner of the farm. And to give the vine dresser or the gardener and father in the same sentence is really powerful because to call the father a vine dresser is very much the same as calling him a shepherd. You think of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I won't need for anything. He makes me lie down beside still waters. He restores my soul. He protects me. Well, the vine dresser is very, very similar picture. The vine dresser looks after and remains with the vine for decades. That's a cool picture. They don't just plant them and run. They actually plant them and they nurture them and they remain with the vine for decades. The vine dresser knows the vine in a personal way. His, his hands are on. You know, he's working with. He's, he's not distant. He's right there. The vine dresser knows what care is required and what the vine responds to. The vine dresser cares for and nurtures the vine. He prunes the vine. He fertilizes the vine. He lifts up the branches of the vine, ties them up, takes care of them. That's not always comfortable for us. I've got this huge rosemary plant at our dining room window, and it kind of over the summer it went from this to that, sprawled everywhere across the hedge in that. And I was tying it up yesterday, and I thought to myself, this is not comfortable for the tree pulling it in, tightening it up, lifting up the branches. It's not comfortable, but it will be good for it. Either that or it will die. Both are possible with my gardening. Actually, if it doesn't die, it'll probably get round up at some point. Anyway, take all the, me- um, the vine dresser also takes all the measures to protect the vine. It'll do in- the, the vine dresser does whatever's necessary to protect the vine. So to call the father the vine dresser is telling his disciples that the father is intimately connected, that his skills, his wisdom, his security, and his devotion are in their way. Not in their way, are their way. With them. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture, amazing picture of a father. The perfect father. That's what the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, is all about. That's what it's all about that we have all sinned and fallen short. The relationship with God has been broken for all of us. And the Father has gone out of his way to restore it. Jesus on the cross. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Believe in your heart that the Father raised him from the grave three days later. The Bible says you will be saved or you will be reconnected with God. And then you step into a discipleship journey. It's an amazing picture. How about saying that with me this morning? Jesus, we confess that you are Lord. Jesus, we confess that you are Lord. Again, Jesus, we confess that you are Lord. Fantastic. Can I ask you to bow your heads just for a moment? If that was the first time you've ever confessed that out loud, Can you just give me a little wave? I just want to acknowledge you and say, well done. Awesome. That's fantastic. 
Make sure I see your hand. That's great. Fantastic. Well done, man. That's awesome. Well done. Start of a wonderful journey with Jesus. Here's the deal. You lift your heads up again. By the grace of God, I'm praying that he gives you the ability to lift this morning, to see past what is natural and see what is divine. Perfect Father. Despite the connotations and and, and maybe even the reaction in your gut when I even say the word Father, my prayer this morning is that God will grace you with the ability to see past the natural and see the supernatural. Even the best fathers make mistakes. I've tried to be a good dad for my kids, but man, I've got, I've got more mistakes than you could count. More mistakes. And I'm sure if you were to ask my boys, they would name a few that I haven't thought of either. I mean, there's the obvious things, you know, I broke Jay's wrist. That, that wasn't an ideal day. But, you know, he's quite big. And you know, a lot of fathers wrestle with their sons. When I wrestle with my son, I'm wrestling for my life. <laughs> Whatever it takes, broken wrist, no problem. I do remember another occasion when he hurt his leg and I just told him to harden up, it'll be all right. Eventually went to the doctor. About 10 days later, I think it was broken. These have probably left some scars on him. Not the perfect dad, and neither are you, if you're a dad, nor was your dad, nor was his dad, but he is. He is. Let me pray. Father, I'm asking again for revelation of what perfect dad looks like, but not only revelation of what perfect dad, I'm asking for intimacy in our relationship with you. I'm asking, Father, that there is a a lift in our sense of connection with you today. And despite what our lives have looked like to this point, I'm asking that you would allow something to change so that every one of us feels comfortable in your presence. So that every one of us feels comfortable in relating to you so that every one of us can approach you and call you Father without looking through a mucky lens. Father, my prayer is that from this revelation and from looking through a clear lens at who you are, a great freedom would come for every person, that we would walk with a freedom that perhaps we've never felt before because despite experience, you are good and you are good all the time and you love us, you love us deeply. So Holy Spirit, rest on every person today, I pray. Continue to reveal the goodness of our Heavenly Father, I ask. In Jesus' name.